This is the Use Guys Podcast. Three guys who aren't experts in anything, but like to talk about a variety of different things. You could follow us on YouTube at the Use Guys, Instagram at Use Guys Podcast, and follow me, your host, Reed Ramsey, on Twitter at ReedRamsey3. Today we're going to be talking about COVID 19, the outbreak, ground zero here in California. So let's get ready to go. In this episode, we're going to be talking about this coronavirus, the COVID-19. We're going to be talking about why you should be concerned, what you should ultimately do, and what this ultimately means for us in the future in trying to prevent these types of diseases. So to get started on this complicated thing, we're not, we're not going to like break it down in two medical terms, but we could talk about roughly what it is. So coronavirus sort of gets its name because when you look at the bug in a microscope, according to Johns Hopkins uh, University, is that it, it has a crown on it. So it, it gets its name from the physical characteristics of the actual virus itself. And there's a lot of strains of coronaviruses that we deal with every single season, primarily things like the cold. It's a respiratory uh, disease that affects your lungs and uh, can indicate things, you know, sniffles, coughs, things like this. So the, th- the first thing that we're going to be talking about is why you should be concerned about this. There's a lot of discussion online that talks about why you shouldn't be concerned, right? It's it's getting blown up. It's a huge paranoia. The media is blowing it out of proportion. But just as you should be concerned for things like the seasonal flu, this bug is something to be concerned about and something you should take precautions for. You know, a lot of people complain that this is leading to new behaviors that aren't seen or aren't really, you know, observed during the regular year. But there's some things to keep in mind as we move forward to sift through the paranoia and to get better education about personal health. So the first thing is sort of a little background. So it started in Wuhan, China, uh, and it is a zoonotic disease, which means that it comes from animals. I believe that they made the determination that it came from bats from this time, which when they were studying things like Ebola in the next, you know, outbreak, they were studying bats already. So there's already been some discussion around this type of zoonotic disease uh, and, and how we could prevent that sort of thing. But the first reason why we should be concerned about something like this is because COVID-19 was ultimately started late in 2019. I think the the Wuhan issue started around November, October, maybe even a bit earlier. But since China is an authoritarian regime, there wasn't a lot of information that was able to be put out into the public. So there's a lot of crackdowns on freedom of expression, which created this environment to where doctors could not freely extend information to the international community. And this comes from the Hill. They, they, they show that this is a common trend around these global sort of outbreaks. You know, you look at HIV, AIDS and SARS, things like this, to where China has been flawed in this department. You also see countries like Iran who are also covering up instances of diseases where you see the health official in a press conference sniffling, sweating, and coughing uncontrollably, and he later tested positive for 
the COVID-19 virus. And ultimately, these items or these things could have been quelled or at least addressed earlier on. Because as it stands now, we are about six or so weeks out from a vaccine. And they could have been working on this a long time ago. So I think that the, the, the governmental structures have a pretty decent amount to do with this. So if these authoritarian regimes can cooperate with international health organizations to get a hold on this before it spreads out of control, I think that would do a tremendous amount of good. But the second reason why that you should be concerned is because it is here. Ground zero for community spread is in Northern California. Uh, right now, I sit in Lodi, California, less than an hour away from where there are patients being treated for COVID-19 in UC Davis Medical Center. So that's just up north past Sacramento. In Sacramento County, obviously, there's multiple instances of community spread. And that's happening as we speak. And there's also been speculation that there is instances of the virus at the University uh, of Davis, like, you know, uh, stu uh, the, the university proper, meaning student housing, things like this. So they're, they're doing all sorts of things. And the CDC is even saying uh, that there is multiple more instances and there could be, you know, hundreds, thousands of exposures and a lot more community spread than we're already seeing. Additionally, I believe it was late last week, uh, I'm looking at an article from NBC News, the first official death from COVID-19 has happened in Washington State, and the and if there's not a lot of information about the individual or where they were from, right, because there's, there's laws in place to protect identification of these people, uh, but the person who died was in their 50s, and there were other underlying health conditions, is what the article says. There's no history of travel to any of the affected regions, no, you know, contamination or instances in which they were associated with people who were traveling. So it, it, this is the first death of community spread of unknown uh, source. So we don't know where it came from ultimately. So there are multiple instances of community spread and it's getting bad and it's going to continue getting bad and there's no way to ultimately stop it currently and you know as we see the government responding to it it's not going to get any better because the cdc only gave california 200 test kits which left them tremendously behind when it came to testing patients who were exhibiting different symptoms of the COVID 19 virus so that's also frustrating so there's a lot there's a lot going on here and as we see around the world, you know, from China going on to Italy, who saw a 200% spike in COVID-19 infection rates, everyone is closing up. The, the, the stock market in the United States is going crazy, dropped 1,900 points. All of this because supply chains are being disrupted, and people just don't know the extent to, to which this is, is going to leave a, a long impact. And we are seeing just the beginning of this now this is going to get much worse and it's going to spread and affect a lot of people but this is also leading to the trump administration just being completely reckless when it comes to their response so the th second thing 
or the third thing as to why you should be concerned about COVID-19 is that the Trump administration is just straight being dumb and they have been dumb about things like advanced prevention or trying to get a hold on these things, right? You know, coming from this completely reactionary government, it doesn't really surprise me that they're completely dropping the ball on this, but there you have it. So a, a few things on that front. So the first thing, obviously, we saw the presser that he did uh, late last week is that he put Vice President Pence as his, like, quasi-czar. He said he wasn't a czar. I don't really know what that designation means, technically, when it comes to government officials. But he put uh, Pence ahead of the team, which is also disconcerting given Pence's record as the governor of Indiana, who saw the biggest HIV spread due to dirty needles in the state's history and in the United States. And his first reaction to that in Indiana was to pray it away. And eventually it got so bad that he allowed the federal government to come in and help with needle exchange programs and things like this. So Trump nominated someone who has one of the worst track records when it comes to public health out there. And this is not going to bode well for the professionals working to try to stop this spread. So we got Pensy Boy working on uh, the team and trying to develop some type of strategy against this. And recently at a rally, I think it was, I don't know if it was South Carolina or one of these uh, states uh, recently where Trump had a rally, said that the whole thing of the coronavirus was a hoax it was a conspiracy theory that if that isn't disheartening enough i don't know what is they believe it's a hoax they believe that it's implanted by the democrats in order to make trump look bad because the stock market is tanking so by association it makes him look bad like how narcissistic can you get get out of my life dude like think about it through the lens of, you know, these individuals within the CDC or some of these career politicians are nonpartisan and they're just out there to help people. And he's just making it tremendously harder to do that. I'm looking at a, a Verge article at Trump's reckless nor uh, coronavirus statements puts the entire U.S. at risk because it, it prevents efforts to expedite these processes on top of that the cdc has been you know underfunded thankfully there's been bills you know in the budget appropriations act that allow the cdc to become uh, better funded but as trump tries to you know pull all this money towards his wall we see that you know he, he ultimately takes money away from pretty critical programs that are supposed to be in place for things exactly like this and he continually props up these things through conspiracy theories, theories like the QAnon theory. So for folks who don't know about the QAnon theory, it's this elaborate conspiracy that the Trump and most far right supporters of Trump believe that says that there is an international sort of uh, what, what do they say? Cobble. They, they use the word cobble of this international sex pedophilic ring of politicians, of government officials, of these higher-up people who are all out to get Trump. Now, that just, you know, just it makes me scratch my head just, just hearing about, right? 
and, and we see we saw like peak QAnon in uh, November 2018, 2019. It sort of started fading away because when we saw uh, the the one of the shooters in, in Texas, uh, which which one one was it? I, I can't remember which one exactly, but he wrote a manifest. Uh, manifesto and ultimately said QAnon was some of his motivation for conducting this massive violent campaign. I believe it was a shooter in the Walmart um, or the El Paso shooter. That's who it was, um, and, and, which is sickening. It's just utterly sickening that he gives credence to these types of things. Uh, and it, it's basically just saying that all these things are at to get Trump. But that's for a different episode later. We could go all into the ins and outs of the QAnon conspiracy theory and exactly why it is utterly batshit bonkers. Like, get the hell out of here. Additionally, Trump is apparently trying to go at it uh, alone, right? This America, America first mentality says that we won't work with other people and that we are trying to do this all by ourselves, and that it's just ultimately nonsensical. We, we can't do this by ourselves, especially because of the international sort of effect that it, it already has and how it continually spills over to this day. So it's just not feasible. It's not feasible to work at this alone, and we need a concerted effort globally to go after this. So all in all, we just see that the Trump administration has dropped the ball completely on COVID-19, and they continue to drop the ball on this, and I don't really see this coming out. The only thing I really have faith in is the working professionals that at least are working with some of these international communities and places you know, like California who are seeing the brunt of it currently to try to come up with some type of solution, trying to have a, you know, get more kits out, uh, trying to develop the vaccine, things like this. The other thing that will be concerning is once these kits come out, once we get a vaccine, are we going to be able to have an affordable vaccine, right? In the era in which, you know, 46 million people don't have health insurance or are underinsured. I don't, I don't know how people are going to be able to afford this, uh, but we will talk about that in the second segment. So just to wrap up this first half of this episode, we see that you should be concerned about COVID-19. In years past, authoritarian regimes have squashed all information dissemination about these things. Second, it is here. If you live on the West Coast, we are already seeing repercussions. Thousands of people have likely been exposed, but health officials can only, you know, give so much information due to health uh, confidentiality laws and things like this. And thirdly, the U.S. government is dropping the ball. I do not have any faith in Mike Pence leading an effort to solve this sort of thing. So hopefully we could put our money on those working professionals who have been doing this their entire lives and we come up with a feasible, affordable solution or if Congress acts in a way that allows us to get to this end, then I think we will be in excellent hands and I think we won't have anything to worry about. But nevertheless, we will discuss this in part two. So I know at this point you have to be asking yourself, what the hell should I do? You're probably feeling helpless. You probably like you're in the middle of one of those movies, either Outbreak or Contagion, which 
primarily focused on how a lot of these things are overblown by the media and that you don't have any real concern for your own you know individual well-being well the answer to that is pretty simple and the cdc in every news conference that you see will say the same thing and it's nothing that we haven't been taught before number one wash your hands that's the biggest thing that you could do throughout this whole thing a lot of this stuff exists on surfaces because it's transfer transferred from your saliva it's transferred through sneezing it's transferred uh through contact to contact between humans so wash your hands for 20 seconds with antibacterial soap it's pretty simple if you're already doing this then you are already significantly at a lower risk of infection versus these nasty ass motherfuckers who don't do this already like for real it's not that hard wash your hands step number two though if you are sick and you are exhibiting the symptoms which is three right if you're coughing if you're sneezing and if you have shortness of breath try to stay away from work right but uh, we all understand that sometimes not everyone has the luxury of staying home from work i have written in my notes here rant look a lot of us work hourly a lot of us have asshole bosses a lot of us don't have the the time away to step away from work which means that you are probably going to have to go to work sick. So if you could get your hands on those Corad antiviral masks, that will help. It'll help significantly. So all these assholes, me included, who are trying to go out and buy up as many of these antiviral masks as possible, just stop, right? You want to leave those for the health professionals to the people who actually fucking need them, right? But if you don't have the virus, you don't need these things, right? Chances are, if you rub your fucking eyeball, right, that shit ain't gonna protect you. You know, wearing these, you know, glasses, you know? So, if you are sick, wear one of these masks so that if you cough, if you sneeze, you're not gonna be spreading the infection to other people and wash your hands meticulously. Oh, I forgot to mention, with the hand washing, you also could carry around one of these alcohol-based antibiotic, antiviral, uh you know gels you know like the purells but i will say purell is not the same as washing your hands for 20 seconds with soap and water so don't think that after you go to the bathroom after you take a a nice morning piss that you could just you know purex and be fine it's fundamentally not true so you're going to want to actually wash your hands as well so those are the key things that you could do yourself individually to make sure you don't spread this virus and if you can, stay at home. Stay at home. But if you don't have the privilege to stay at home, then take some of these precautions that you can so that you can protect from spreading the virus to other people. In part three, we're going to discuss what this all means, how this is probably going to get worse, and what the future holds for different types of outbreaks of zoonotic diseases and massive contagious diseases writ large so the first thing is that this is probably going to get worse before it gets better and people just have to come to peace with that i don't know a lot of people who are saying that this is just you know getting blown up by the media and how this is just going to come and pass you know as for me going through the 2010 swine flu sort of epidemic episode uh, you know, I had swine flu. It sucked balls. And I had to take the, uh, what do they call it? The Tamiflu and all this other bullshit. 
I remember sitting there on the couch, every muscle in my body aching, every joint aching. And it wasn't just me. My entire household had this thing. And I remember distinctly everyone just sitting and not being able to do anything, right? So we just on the couch, just immobilized. And it was God awful. This is completely different. These respiratory diseases are nothing to mess with. I mean, we saw in the SARS outbreaks, right? Like in 2003, when people were literally throwing up in bathrooms and the piping was distributing the disease throughout buildings, that was a rapid spread. And it had an earlier onset in terms of symptoms. But this COVID-19, you know, up in the Pacific Northwest and Northwest in general, you know, Northern California and onward, these people could be exposed to thousands in their communities and people could already be infected but don't know and won't know because the tests are one like three thousand dollars a pop and two the incubation period or the period in which it takes to show these symptoms is so long that by the time you're exhibiting any of these symptoms more likely than not you're going to be sick and many people around you are going to be sick. So we're going to continue to see communities be completely enveloped in this disease moving forward. And it's going to continue to get worse. Additionally, there's been multiple articles and studies. Uh, one article that I'm reading in the statnews.com shows that the future uh, computer-generated sort of uh, future projection shows that you know, maybe upwards of 4.4 million or something in between 4.4 million to 550,000 cases forecasted through these mathematical equations. And that's just in the United States. And it's or not in the United States. That's kind of worldwide. But in the United States, it's going to get that much worse. The reality is coming home very, very massively. Additionally, uh, The Lancet uh, which I believe is a Stanford publication. I'm not 100% sure, but it's a research journal. Uh, they articulate that this is also, you know, just going to completely expand. It's going to get much, much worse in the United States, and it does a lot of good back work on the transmission, a lot of the statistics and medical terminology when it comes, you know, when it came out of Wuhan and things like this. And it, it's going to just completely get widespread additionally we see the cdc in their first press conference last week say that this is going to spread anticipate disruptions to everyday life and i just want to put this into perspective for people disruptions in everyday life start at supply chains around the world and now that it's moving to the united states that means that food on the shelves is going to become more scarce it means that you're not going to want to leave your house once your community gets enveloped. If you don't have a positive uh, indication that you have it, you probably don't want to leave your home, and we're going to see more instances of self-quarantine. I know from personally on social media, the people in my communities, in my social networks, are already taking action. People are starting to hoard food. People are starting to hoard medicine and to develop sort of a... Uh, multiple day strategy to where they don't have to leave and I am in the same boat so ultimately this thing is going to get worse secondly this shows that we should not shortchange our disease prevention programs and we should always be on the forefront 
of disease prevention, not only here at home, but we need to be working with the international community. People like China, uh, people like Iran, all of these countries need to work together and be transparent about their information so that we can get ahead of this before it gets out of control and before people start dying in mass. We are already seeing people die at a significant rate. We've already seen the first death in the United States. This is only going to continue to get worse. Lastly, what we see is that people need to stop spreading bullshit. I have also seen in my social networks on you know, Facebook how my anti-vax friends are just like, yo, it's just a big hoax. Don't worry. Don't do this. You know, here is your lavender oils, Karen. Why don't you go use this and you'll be fine? Fuck that. Okay, there are certain nonpartisan career professionals who work in the medical industry who are out for our personal benefit. I know that a lot of these organizations have a bad track record when it comes to racial relations, when it comes to all of these things. But we in living in 2020 currently when we are sort of on the precipice of virus X. We need to take these precautions seriously. We need to take action to prevent these things. So just to recap overall, we talked about first why we should be concerned about this, you know, primarily because the authoritarian governments have withheld information. We don't even know the extent of it uh, besides what's happening with the doctors spilling out information in Wuhan in the China region. Second, it is in the United States, ground zero, Northern California, hour away from where I recorded this podcast. Third, our government are a bunch of idiots. The United States government are dumb. President Donald Trump would rather concern himself with conspiracy theories like QAnon rather than take this seriously. He literally appointed Mike Pence, who has a terrible history of public health as uh, demonstrated by his tenure as governor of Indiana. Completely dog shit. Secondly, we talked briefly about what you should do, and it's pretty simple. Wash your hands, keep antiviral gels, Purell, things like that on you. It's not a replacement for washing your hands, but it's good for the interim. Uh, for the masks, if you are sick and you are unable to stay home from work because you don't have the privilege of sick days or you just happen to be out of sick days, then these Curad masks are for you because they will keep the virus from spreading out when you cough, sneeze, or do these things. And maybe wear some latex gloves if you have them or do something like this to prevent the spread, the community spread from happening. But if you're healthy, you probably don't need the Curad masks because there are other ways to acquire it versus dispense. So it's a question of if you are expelling particulate matter into the air, right, versus inhalation of that particulate matter. If you're sick, exhaling the particulate matter. If you're not sick, you're going to get that on you, right? That means you got to keep everything sanitary, keep it clean, keep it sexy. That's probably an inappropriate joke there, but you know what I mean. Uh, third, we talked just recently about what this means for the future. One, you can't short sell disease prevention. This has to be a priority for uh, governments moving forward and international community has to work together despite our dumb differences that we may have. And lastly, don't spread bullshit. You know, we could talk an entire episode and I probably will in the future about anti-vaxxers and how their bullshit can lead to actual death. And it already has, right? 
these are the things that we talk about every seasonal flu season, right? This is just like times 10, right? Flu death rates like what? 0.3. This is a, uh, it's either 2% or 0.2%. Uh, it is significantly higher than the traditional flu. So, in essence, you want to protect yourself. And if you want to take those steps to go and hoard food and acquire uh, a week long, maybe even a, a month long, if you have the resources, I would encourage you to do so because this is just the precipice. It is only the beginning. This is going to get worse and you don't want to be in the brunt of it or caught with your pants down in the event that it comes crashing down on you. This has been re This has been Reed Ramsey with the Use Guys podcast. Go and follow us on YouTube at the Use Guys. Follow us on Instagram at Use Guys Podcast and follow me, Reed Ramsey, at Reed Ramsey 3 on Twitter. Tune in next week for a new episode of the Use Guys podcast.